Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Amber Rose, in case you didn't know, also known as The Religious Hippie. And today we're going to be talking about a beginner's guide to the Catholic Mass. Maybe you're new to Catholicism, you're returning to Catholicism, or maybe you're not a Catholic at all, but maybe you have an interest in the Catholic Mass. So in this episode, I will specifically be discussing, um, you know, what we go through in the Catholic Mass, what you can expect if you're new, and hopefully this will ease some of your minds when coming back to uh, the faith or maybe going for the first time. Uh, I'm going to try and explain this as best as possible because most Catholic churches, even though we are universal, some masses are performed differently. Uh, A good example of this is the Norvis Ordo Mass and the Trinidine Mass. I personally go to the Trinidine Mass, um, but I will try to make this apply to everybody so that um, nobody's left out. So basically, we're just going to jump right into this. Um, I... I really, before I get started, I kind of want to give you guys a suggestion. Um, If you're, you know, concerned about not being able to follow along or something in the mass, I would suggest looking up the liturgy uh, for the mass that day. Uh, This, you, you know, you can usually find this if you just look it up on Google and a lot of missiles have them as well. So it's basically going to be the first three readings and then the gospel in the mass. And if you just type in Catholic Mass, uh, first readings or gospel for today or that day, you know, type in the the date, it should pop up. And I'm just saying that so that you guys have a little heads up on what to expect for the readings. Um, So then that way, you know, you feel a little more comfortable. All right. So the first thing (laughs) that you will see when you walk through the doors of the Catholic Church is an open room. Now, this room is called the narthex. This is basically a gathering space for after mass where a lot of people will stand and talk or um, a lot of uh, mothers bring their babies out if they start fussing and crying. That's basically a little gathering space. Now, if you go through those, uh, there's usually doors separating the narthex from the nave, which is the main worship center. And uh, before you, you know, go to your pew, you'll walk through those doors. 
And we always bless ourselves with the sign of the cross and holy water. The holy water is usually located near the doors in, um, in a font, which is a bowl kind of looking stand. <laughs> and um, you wanna dip your fingers into the holy water and then you cross yourself. First, you, go, um, you put your fingers on your forehead and then your chest and then to the left of your shoulder and then the right shoulder. And that's how you cross yourself. Um, and we call that the sign of the cross. And it's a remembrance of our baptismal vows. And it just kind of, you know, gets us ready for mass. So when you walk through uh, the doors that separate the narthex from the nave, uh, which is where we have mass, you will see long wooden seats. We call these pews. And before you get into your pew and sit down, you want to genuflect, which is basically getting down on one knee and making the sign of the cross towards the tabernacle. This is where Jesus is present. Um, this is where Jesus present in the Eucharist is kept. And we do this to show a sign of respect. And this is usually right up on the altar. So straight in front of you. And then once you do that, I always suggest the newcomers to sit in the back. Um, obviously, you don't have to do this, but it, it takes some pressure off when it comes to um, when it comes time to follow along with uh, the kneeling and the sitting and the standing, genuflecting, etc. This way, you can kind of follow along with the crowd and you don't feel lost. In most churches, they'll have a missile already in your pew, or they hand them out to you before mass, and this will help you follow along and participate better in the prayers and the sections of the mass and when to sit, kneel, and stand. So I highly suggest you get one of those. They're a fairly thick book. Others are kind of thin, um, but if you just ask for one, I'm sure they will be happy to provide one for you. Okay, so then by the altar, you will see a shrine for Mary, usually on the left, and a shrine for St. Joseph, usually on the right. These are meant for veneration. And if your church is really cool, like mine is, <laughs> not to brag, it'll also have stained glass, statue, uh, the Stations of the Cross, pretty statues, saint relics, paintings, and a lot more. So before mass, feel free to walk around and take in all the artwork. It's honestly really beautiful in most churches. Now keep in mind that it's gonna be really quiet in the church. This is a time to be with Jesus, not to talk and to have conversations. You will see many people kneeling, reading their missals, saying prayers to prepare for the Holy Mass. And we're in the presence of Jesus, so we should be respectful and quiet. A lot of people sometimes will talk out in the narthex. However, I always suggest to stay quiet and really use this time to take in the artwork and to pray and to really prepare yourself for mass. Now, when the mass starts, there should be small bells that ring to signify that the priest is coming out and mass is beginning. Usually everyone will stand and the priest will start his prayers at the foot of the altar. This is basically where he kneels at the foot of the altar and recites some prayers. Now, there are two readings from the Bible, and when these readings are read, we are, uh, we are sitting. Everyone usually sits, and what happens is there will be a first reading from the Bible, and a response is usually in song form, and then there's a second reading of the Bible, and it repeats uh, another response in song form, and these are going to be in your missal because they're going to differ from each week because we are going through the Bible. So we won't be reading the exact same thing over and over. Um, then there will be a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, depending on which one it is. And everyone will stand and they'll basically make a sign of the cross, but 
it's a little bit different. This one's going to be you cross yourself on your forehead. So you make a cross sign with your thumb on your forehead, on your lips, and then on your heart. And this is out of respect for the gospel and God's word. Now, the gospel can be long or it can be really short, but usually after the gospel, there will be a homily. Now, a homily is when we um, is when the priest usually it's usually less than 15 minutes and the priest gives a lesson based around the gospel that was read that day. Um, now this isn't always the case. Sometimes they'll also do a homily on the readings that were given, but for the most part, it's, it, it's usually about the gospel. And during this time, everybody sits to listen to father. I usually personally, I like to take this time to listen to father's words and to take out my prayer journal and start jotting down some, some words that I think are significant or which I need to go and study later. So then normally after the homily, we have the Lord hear our prayers prayer, which is basically an offering up. Um, I guess in a sense, we offer up our intentions for the mass. Um, for an example, uh, the, the priest will say for an end to world hunger, and then we respond with Lord, hear our prayer. And we do this for multiple things. Um, and you always just respond with Lord, hear our prayer. During this time, uh, there will be people passing out collection baskets. This is when um, some, you know, um, when the church comes out to collect money for um basically funding repairs in the church or um you know maybe there's some kids who want to go for the march for life and they can't afford it so this is a donation time to for lay people which is us to give to the church um and i think actually right now for my church um we are trying to repair the basement. And so that's what our, our donations go to is the repair of the basement and the bathrooms. And usually a church should tell you what the donations are um, being used for, if they're being used for a specific thing or if they're being used to repair the church. Um, but basically people give what they can and it doesn't have to be a lot. And if you aren't sure about it yet, that's totally okay. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you didn't put money in the basket. How dare you? No, nobody's going to do that. Sometimes people don't have anything to give. And uh, other times I remember going to mass and having to empty <laughs> the change of my purse into the basket because I had no money to give, but I still wanted to give what I could. And I had some loose change. And so I gave that. So don't feel like you have to, but that is something that many participate in. And it's basically just donations to the church to keep it running. Next is the consecration. Uh, this is where the unconsecrated wine and water is consecrated by the priest using the Eucharistic prayer. Everyone kneels at this point. Uh, this is out of respect for Jesus. And as Catholics, we believe that the Eucharist, which is the host, this, I mean, People call it a tiny white wafer, but it's definitely, I mean, before it's consecrated, it's definitely a wafer. Um, but as Catholics, we believe that after consecration, it becomes the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. So what you'll see is Father holding up the wine and then the host while saying the Eucharistic prayers. During this time, the body, um, the wine and the, the host becomes the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. So after the consecration, 
uh, we say the Our Father together. Now at Norvis Ordo Masses, a lot of people will hold hands um, and say the Our Father together. Um, at the Trinidine Masses, you won't see that because that's not traditional. Um, but then after the Our Father, you will also be doing the sign of peace. Um, and, and that's at the Norvis Ordo. And that's basically where you turn to people and greet them and you shake their hand or you can hug them and say, peace be with you. The Trinidine Mass, again, will not have this because this is not traditional. So that is kind of that part. And if you don't feel comfortable, especially with COVID going on right now, I don't think they actually have the sign of peace anymore. But um, if you don't feel comfortable participating in that, it's okay. You don't have to. That's not like a something you need to do. Um, it's basically just a sign of peace greeting people. So after that, <laughs> everyone will kind of start processing up to receive the Eucharist. Now, this is where it gets a little serious. If you are a non-Catholic or a Catholic who is in mortal sin, you cannot receive the Eucharist. This is very important. It isn't because we have something, you know, against non-Catholics or, you know, we are rejecting people who are sinful. No, not at all. That's completely, that's the farthest thing from the truth. We are trying to protect your soul. It is extremely dangerous to receive the Eucharist if you are in a state of mortal sin or if you are not a Catholic. Now, let me explain that a little bit so that, you know, you guys aren't freaking out. <laughs> no worries. If you receive the Eucharist, okay, and you do not believe it is Jesus Christ, or in general, you don't know what you are doing, this can have, you know, extreme consequences on your soul. When the priest is giving out the Eucharist, he usually says the body and blood of Christ, you know, or he'll say the body of Christ or the blood of Christ, whichever one you're receiving. And then the receiver will say, amen. This amen means that you accept the host is in fact Jesus Christ. You accept the teachings and you accept the church and everything that's happened in the mass that you truly believe that this is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. This amen, ah, this amen means that you understand what you are receiving. If you receive and you do not know what you're doing and you say amen, and receive Jesus anyways, this is a grave sin. St. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32. So then whoever eats the, <laughs> so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That this way, that this, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So basically what happens, it's very dangerous to be receiving Jesus in an unworthy manner because you are creating that judgment. You are taking that judgment upon yourself, and that is a grave sin. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, our children are taught and educated literally from the moment of birth 
about the Eucharist and sacraments, you know, before receiving their first Holy Communion. And, and again, this is why converts need to go through a nine month process of RCIA. This is a serious matter. So just to put that out there, it's extremely serious for non-Catholics and Catholics in mortal sin to receive communion. So if you are Catholic and you're in mortal sin, go to confession. That's why we have um, the sacrament of, you know, reconciliation and, you know, confession in general. So go to confession before receiving because we are really just trying to protect you. We don't want you to bring that judgment upon yourself, especially since you don't know. Um, so just saying that, that out of the way. Moving on. So you will see practicing Catholics who are sitting and not participating in communion. This is because they are not worthy due to a mortal sin on their soul, or they are handicapped and unable to walk to the altar themselves. At that point, a priest will come to them with the host and um, do it themselves. However, I always say this, and the proper way to receive communion is kneeling and on the tongue. That is the proper way to be receiving a Holy Communion. So during communion, if you are non-Catholic or a Catholic with mortal sin, you can do one of two things. This way you're not just, you know, twiddling your thumbs in the pew. The first thing is you can actually get in the communion line. And what you want to do is you want to cross your arms across your chest. So basically uh, you want to make an X. So that would mean your right hand would be on your left shoulder and your left hand would be on your right shoulder and you keep them there. And you walk up in the communion line like this. And you, uh, basically what this means for the priest is that you cannot receive the Eucharist, but you would like a blessing. Um, and this is really important because I'm, I've met um, multiple non-Catholics who have come to my mass and they're just like, we want to participate in this, but we know we can't receive communion. And I remember telling them, I'm like, you can, you can go up and you can ask for a blessing. And they didn't know. And they were just like, really? And I'm like, yeah, just, you know, cross, cross your arms across your chest like this and go up. And the priest automatically knows that that just means you need a blessing, but can't receive communion. So sometimes I find that very odd that not a lot of people know that, but it kind of makes sense too, because it's not as popular. A lot of people will just stay in their pew and pray. Um, but if you do want a blessing and you want to participate in that, definitely do that. And the priest will give you a blessing. And then what you can do is you can go back to your pew. You can kneel. Uh, you can pray. Um, basically, you can just take the silence in and, you know, thank God for everything good, anything bad in your life, any blessings, stuff like that. So basically, um, the second thing you can do is you can just kneel and pray or you can sit and pray. Most of us will kneel though. You will see a lot of people kneeling. And um, this is basically just, you know, you thanking God for being at the mass. Um, there is something else you can do, which is called uh, spiritual communion. Um, however, again, with communion, you know, that's usually for online masses where you are unable to receive communion. Um, but I mean, that is still something you can do. Um, but the, again, the communion in the Eucharistic mass, it does say like, I believe that this is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. So if you do not believe that, I would not suggest, um, saying that prayer. 
Okay, so then after communion, um, everybody returns to their seats uh, and we usually have some silence for a while. And then the priest will come forward and kneel at the altar and we'll usually say three Hail Marys and a St. Michael prayer. But this of course depends on your church. Now this is what my church does, um, but I've been to multiple Norvis Ordo churches who do not do this. So don't be alarmed if they don't do this. Um, it just differs from mass and churches. And then usually um, at the end of the mass, a song that is played while the priest and altar boys process to the back room is, I like to call it the end of mass song. <laughs> and it's usually a happy song, you know, thanking God for the mass. Um, it could be an Alleluia song, unless it's during the time of Lent because uh, Lent is a um, penitential time where we do penance and it's sad-ish kind of. <laughs> so we don't really sing happy songs during those times. But um, there's usually really awesome, you know, songs that are sang during the procession after mass. Most of the time after mass, uh, the priests will be outside the church. And, um, you know, I've noticed that some priests won't, but the priests that do go um, outside to greet the parishioners after mass are extremely happy, happy to interact with the lay people. They really want to know the people that are a part of their parish. Even if you're not a part of the parish, they still want to, you know, make you feel welcome and they want to talk to you and they want to get to know you. I have many priests who are, you know, extremely uh, personable. All they want to do is um, talk and, you know, get to know people. And I think that's really important, to be honest. I really think that priests who want to get to know their parishioners are the priests who have a bigger, um, I don't know, a, a bigger community of people while saying mass. And while the priest shouldn't determine which mass you go to, that is something I've kind of noticed. Um, but anyways, after mass, of course, you can say hi to the priest. Uh, you can thank him, you can ask him maybe a question, just have a simple conversation with him, or you can just simply walk out, go to your car, or you can stay behind and pray a little bit more. Now, I usually do the last one. I usually sit and I just kind of pray a couple more after mass prayers. These will also be in your missal. And I really just soak up that time I have with God before having to go back into the crazy, crazy world because let's face it, <laughs> the world is crazy. And um, I don't think that's gonna stop anytime soon. So it's really nice to have that time with God and to just really you know, soak in that love and mercy and everything. I just absolutely love it. Um, and then when you're done with that, you know, you can also talk to the parishioners, you know, be like, hey, you know, I'm new here or, you know, I'm, I'm coming back, you know, sometimes you can even get into certain groups, you know, uh, through the church, you just have to ask, you can go online. Um, there's stuff like that. So basically, that is a rundown of what to expect as a new, you know, a new, I don't know, a, a new parishioner or a non-Catholic wanting to learn more about the faith. Um, and some more great resources to learn about Catholicism, especially if you're not sure yet, is Catholic Answers. 
and Ascension Presents. Now they're both on YouTube and uh, Catholic Answers and Ascension Presents both have websites as well. So definitely go check them out. They have great, um, they have great resources and everything is based in the Bible and Catholicism and the catechism. The catechism is super important. So now that you guys know what to kind of expect from the Catholic mass, you know, little overview, I'm kind of going to talk about what not to do. Um, and this isn't meant to shame anybody, but these things are important. And honestly, I had to learn these the hard way when I started coming back to the faith because I forgot most of these things and, um, or I just never implemented them into my life. So I think it's really important. Okay, so the first one, which is actually kind of a pet peeve for me, to be honest, it's, it's a big peeve for me. Don't go to mass with your phone on <laughs> or, or just don't go on your phone at all during mass. Uh, you can do it before Mass or after Mass to take pictures if that's what you want to do. Um, or even better, you know, just turn it off or leave it in the car. <laughs> it, it just, it bugs me so much when I see people recording the Mass because during, during these, you know, the Mass, it's when we should be participating in the prayers and in the, um, you know, the consecration, and we need to be there present with Jesus Christ. Because during the mass, this is when, you know, heaven comes down to earth, basically. When that consecration happens, that is when Jesus is present in that church. He is there with us with all of his legions of angels, and your relatives, and, you know, everyone who's in heaven, is there present in the mass with you. And it's just so disrespectful to see uh, so many people pull their phones out and start, you know, recording or Snapchatting their friends or trying to take pictures or record the choir. And it's just, it breaks my heart because um, I, I realize that when people do that, yeah, they wanna capture the mass, but they also aren't understanding the point of the mass. It isn't some fancy festival. It isn't some concert to be recorded. It's sacred. And I feel like a lot of people these days have lost sight of that. So please <laughs> leave your phones in the car or do it before or after mass. And a lot of the times, okay, if you wanna record the choir, do it before mass. They're usually always practicing their songs. So that's just a little, tidbit or even after mass sometimes they're still singing certain songs so keep that in mind no phones should be a phone free area and of course there are going to be people in there who are using their phones do not fall into that trap please <laughs> it is not respectful and we should be focusing on jesus okay second thing has to do with modesty this goes for men and women we're going to cover the men first men don't dress trashy no flip-flops, no sweatpants, no graphic t-shirts, no sweatshirts. Get some nice clothes out. It, okay, okay, it doesn't have to be a full-out tuxedo. No, you don't have to dress like you're the king of England. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that fancy. But a nice button-down shirt tucked into nice khakis or some jeans with a nice belt. No ripped jeans, no ripped jeans. These should be nice. And please, no dirty, no dirty gym shoes. You know, it doesn't have to be the best shoes in the world, but no dirty gym shoes. <laughs> um, and ladies, 
Also, do not dress trashy. No ripped jeans, no shorts, no tank tops, no sweatshirts. If it's a shirt or, um, sorry, if it's a skirt or a dress, just make sure it's modest. This means below or slightly above the knee, not too low cut in the front or the back. And if it's sleeveless, wear a shawl or a shoulder covering of some type. There are always ways to make certain immodest dresses more modest by having, you know, a pair of leggings under it or an undershirt slash tank top under it. Basically, if you wouldn't wear it at the foot of the cross, don't be wearing it at mass <laughs> because you are in the presence of Jesus. And I cannot tell you the amount of times I've gone to masses where, oh gosh, the, the boys basically wore their pajamas and the girls have worn booty shorts. And I, this isn't to shame anyone who's done that because a lot of times the people don't know. However, if, you know, um you're in mass and you're wearing something immodest by nature it makes it difficult for the people in mass <laughs> to stay focused because of um you know just it depends on what you're wearing but it's it's normal for people to get distracted being like oh you know getting attention drawn to yourself due to the way you're dressing and in mass, it's very important that we realize that it's not about us. You know, it's not about what we want. It's not about what we get out of the mass. It's not about what we, what we, you know, think we need to be doing during mass or what we think mass should be about. Mass is mass. <laughs> we should be reverent. We should be dressing appropriately, even if you aren't Catholic. We should, you should still be showing respect for those of us who are Catholic by dressing modestly. Now, there's always going to be people who don't follow that rule, who were never taught that rule. I, I was right there with them. I'm not going to lie. When I went to Norvis Ordo Mass, I wore like the trashiest jeans, sweatshirts. Like I had, I didn't care because I didn't really respect the Mass all that much. And then when I started transitioning to the Trinidine Mass instead of the Norvis Ordo, I realized the reverence and the modesty in the Mass, and I wanted to mirror that in the way that I dressed and acted. So um, now I only wear dresses, long dresses, um, skirts, you know, I, I don't wear jeans or any pants to Mass anymore. Um, if you want to wear jeans, women, I think that's okay-ish. I mean, I wouldn't suggest it because I think it's just more reverent to wear dresses and skirts, but if you're not comfortable in that, that is okay. Um, it takes a lot of time to adjust. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes you won't, you know, want to wear dresses or skirts. Everybody's on their own path and is on a certain time frame. So for me, it took me a year to really start taking my modesty in mass seriously. But if you're just going to, you know, check out the mass and stuff like that, again, please have respect for those of us who are reverent and, um, you know, appreciate the modesty of mass. So dress accordingly. Um, and, you know, overall, I think everyone does a great job of this. I really haven't seen I haven't seen any issues of this in my church, which is a Trinidine church. Um, however, I do see a lot of issues like this in the Norvis Ordo church. So that's something. Oh, I almost forgot to mention. If you want a veil, 
I personally veil. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. And it's basically this little lace head covering, or it could be a hat or something, you know, ladies, this is for ladies, I should probably specify. <laughs> um, men should not be wearing hats in church. <laughs> but um, ladies, if you want to wear a nice little hat in church or something to cover your hair, that's totally fine. No baseball caps. No baseball caps. <laughs> um, that's totally fine. But I suggest the lace veils because those are more reverent and less distracting. Um, they're usually called chapel veils. There's infinity veils. There's, you know, there's a bunch of different types. But basically, this is to show reverence towards the Eucharist. And honestly, women have been covering their hair since the beginning of time. And while I tried doing this on a regular basis in my everyday life, I couldn't keep up. And my hair started getting really, like my scalp started getting scratchy. And my um, doctor basically said like, yo, you gotta, you gotta stop doing that because your hair is like falling out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean we can't veil every now and then, you know, for masks. If you're not comfortable veiling because you feel like it would draw too much attention to you, totally fine. I know that is something in a Norvis Order Church. I don't veil in the Norvis Order Church because, um, or if I do, I wear a brown veil so that it matches my hair because it does draw a lot of attention. And something I have noticed is this can even happen in the Trinitine Mass, but I, I was, I experienced this more in the Norvis Order where people um, would think I thought I was better than them by veiling. And uh, that wasn't the case at all, but people kind of got defensive when they saw I was veiling. And I, there were some rumors that started thinking that like, oh, she thinks she's the perfect Catholic because she's veiling. She thinks she's better than us. And that's not true. You're not a better Catholic because you veil. You're not a better Catholic because you go to church. There can be horrible, absolutely horrible Catholics who go to church. There could be horrible Catholics who veil. Veiling shouldn't be a competition, okay? It, it should be out of reverence. And if people are making it a competition, they're missing the point of veiling. Veiling is to show that we are brides of Christ, you know? And in that sense, we are humbling ourselves before the Eucharist by covering one of our most, you know, main features, which is our hair. You know, men cut their hair. It's not long. It's not like men are usually vain about their hair. Not to say that most women are vain about their hair, but if you think about it, like most women can spend up to an hour curling their hair, you know, treating it, getting it dyed, blah, blah, blah. Not to say men can't do that either, but I consider that to be more of a woman thing. Um, so it just shows reverence that we cover our hair and it's also traditional. If you don't feel comfortable, again, don't worry. It's not like a law, it's not a rule. <laughs> but I do think it's really cool if you're coming back into the Catholic Church to start veiling because I just think it really completes, um, you know, I don't know, the Catholic experience sort of per se. Um, but yeah, just basically with that being said, again, not to shame anybody. I know there are some people who don't know. I was in the exact same boat. I absolutely had no idea about 90% of this stuff. And most of the stuff I had to learn the hard way, or I had to learn through watching the older people at church, um, or just talking to priests, you know, stuff like that. So overall, you know, I really hope that this gives you guys a little bit of an insight. If you're coming back to the Catholic faith, you're new, or you're just a non-Catholic looking for some information. 
Um, you know, and I always want to suggest, you know, never be afraid to approach the priests and talk to them. You know, I know it, it might seem a little scary. Um, sometimes I'm still really scared that I'm bothering the priests when I go and talk to them. I'm like, what if I'm bothering them? Don't they have better things to do? Like, what am I doing? But no, like they truly do want to help you in your faith and they want to help you understand things. So if you have questions, if you have, you know, um, just concerns, concepts, ideas, whatever it may be, don't be afraid to, you know, talk to them if you can find one. <laughs> and I wanna, I wanna put it out there real fast. Um, parishes also have brothers and these are basically below priests. So they're not priests, so you won't see them saying mass, but usually they'll be next to the priest helping them with the mass. Um, and a lot of times <laughs> the priests and the brothers dress similarly. They both have the, um, the black, you know, cassocks and ca thingy and the, the, the white collar. Um, so if you get confused, don't worry, just, you know, ask questions. Don't be afraid to learn. I think that's one of the most important things is learning. And so many people are afraid to learn and it's just, education is so important. And so if you are truly thinking about coming back to mass or attending mass for the first time, I highly suggest it. Um, and, you know, if you can even go to adoration, you know, adoration is where um, it's a silent prayer. And it's basically where um, the church takes out the Eucharist, which is Jesus Christ. You know, we've established that. And um, he uh, and they basically place him in the center of the altar or um, wherever they're having the, <laughs> wherever they're having the, um, the adoration at. And you can sit there and you can be in the presence of Jesus and just pray. And usually um, my church, we have this usually from like 6 p.m. until midnight. So um, it's a pretty wide time frame for people to come in and be able to sit with Jesus and pray. Uh, this is a great time to journal, to pray, to read. And I think it's just a great experience for non-Catholics and Catholics alike. It just really can help you grow in your faith. You know, even if you don't want to become Catholic, this isn't to make anybody Catholic. It's just to educate. And I think it would be a great experience um, for a lot of people out there. So with all of that being said, I really hope you guys enjoyed um, today's podcast, and I thank you for being here with me. And I'm just going to close with a Bible verse. Um, this is from Isaiah 12, 2. God indeed is my salvation. I am confident and unafraid, for the Lord is my strength and my might, and he has been my salvation. So, with all of that being said, I truly hope you guys learned something from this podcast today. And I cannot wait for the next podcast to come out. So stay tuned. I'm praying for all of you and God bless you. Bye. Do you have questions or comments about today's episode? Email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with Amber Rose, The Religious Hippie. 
please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to like and follow The Religious Hippie on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit her official website at TheReligiousHippie.com. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. And be sure to visit Metatomics.org to see our listings of other unique podcasts.